All right, Braves fans, let's get rolling. I'm George McNair. This is State of the Braves. And guys, it's been about a week or so since I came to you. Of course, the Braves dropping out of uh, of the playoffs, uh, getting beaten by the Phillies. And uh, so not a lot of uh, new content to bring to you guys as we all lick our wounds and, and kind of deal with that loss. And yet, uh, Phillies fans have their own wounds to lick now as the Phillies have also been booted from the postseason. Uh, the Texas Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be meeting in the World Series. And, I mean, this is kind of an odd uh, showdown, right, of two wildcard teams once again in this playoff format. I'm not going to cry about it, but in this playoff format, uh, wildcard teams certainly do seem to have a little bit of an advantage. And just another evidence of this, I don't think it's the be-all and end-all of, of why both teams are in in the World Series, but I mean, it is what it is, um, and you know, we'll we'll go with it, I guess. But Texas beat Houston in seven games uh, as Adolis Garcia powered them to victory. And honestly, part of you know what I'm focused on as a Braves fan is the magic of Bruce Bochy as their manager. And clearly, uh, there are ways to manage in the postseason that bring uh, greater possibility of success and he has proven that out of course winning three championships with the Giants then coming out of retirement to manage uh, the Texas Rangers and here he is in his first season managing them to the World Series I think only two years ago the Rangers were a hundred loss team they have uh, spent a lot of money in free agency with the additions of Simeon and Seeger, uh, the emergence of Adolis Garcia uh, who I think was a waiver claim, uh, but they've they've done a lot, right? And through trades as well, Scherzer and a couple other guys that they have signed and traded for, they have built this team in a very quick way, uh, but a very effective way. And again, I think Bruce Bochy is at the heart of just steering this club in the right way. So Brian Snicker, uh, Alex Anthopoulos, study the ways of Bruce Bochy. This guy knows what he's doing and i mean there's something he's doing that um that we should be paying attention to and if we did uh maybe the braves would be on their way to winning uh some more world series as well so yeah texas beats houston uh i'm sure most of the baseball world and baseball fans are happy to uh not have to root against houston again in a world series and then of course braves fans are probably even more um, invested in the fact that Philadelphia lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks in their own game, game seven. Philadelphia, uh, the offense falls flat in their final two games um, as the Diamondbacks win. And um, the Phillies fans go home, uh, seems like hating their team. They were not happy. Um, and look, I'm not going to revel in um, the Phillies losing, I mean, as a Braves fan, I certainly, you know, just natural. I'm going to root against them. Um, I I don't dislike every Philly. I think Schwarber's a pretty good dude. Um, I don't have, uh, you know, a problem with uh, most of their players. A couple of them, you know, frustrate me. But look, uh, it's <laughs> the Phillies fans, you know, they they certainly have kind of proven themselves to be invested in their team. but but also when their team loses, it is not a pretty picture. And, and I don't know if you guys saw some of the video after the game, uh, but I think that was on full display. Nonetheless, I'm, I'm not trying to rub it in. 
Braves fans, look, we have we can't really say much because the Phillies booted us. Um, but nonetheless, the Phillies are also going home early. And I think one thing that Arizona did that the Braves did not do is Arizona put the ball in play against the Phillies. You know, the Phillies caused the Braves to expand the strike zone. There were a lot of strikeouts. There was not a lot of pressure put on that, you know, pretty weak Phillies defense and, you know, Phillies pitchers of just getting on base and letting your speed work for work for you. And that's what the Diamondbacks did, right? It's pitching, it's speed on the base paths, it's timely hitting, and that certainly prevailed in the long run over the Phillies. Their, their magic seemed to wear off, and uh, some of the things, uh, the timely things the Phillies were able to do against the Braves, they didn't do as much against Arizona. You also had the Philly bullpen look a lot less dominant against Arizona. And again, I think a lot of that had to do with Arizona simply was just putting the ball in play uh, at a greater percentage than the Braves did. So, you know, this World Series is pretty interesting, again, against these two teams that they were good teams in the regular season, but certainly not dominant teams. I think Arizona only won 84 games and find themselves in the World Series. Texas was a little better than that, but they certainly had an up and down year. Uh, their offense was consistently very good, but they've gotten better pitching uh, during the playoffs than they got for most of this season. So uh, I think if I had to pick a team, I think Texas probably has the edge, but uh, it's a really hard one to call. Uh, as a Braves fan, I will tell you this. I can't help but think of what an opportunity the Braves missed by losing to the Phillies. You know, these teams, Arizona and Texas, earned their spots. They have certainly both played great to get to this point, but they are certainly also both very flawed teams. Uh, it's not like you have a showdown of two Titans. Um, they are two teams that have played with, with energy and certainly have come through with big hits. They've both pitched really well, uh, but but certainly both flawed. And as a Braves fan, you look at it and you would say, gosh, I mean, we we are better, right? We are a more talented team. And yet, of course, we got booted. We're not playing. We did not perform uh, the way that these teams performed in the clutch. And so the Braves are at home and these teams continue to go. But this postseason also reminds us that the best regular season team just isn't necessarily the best postseason team. Uh, and so a lot of what my previous two episodes talked about were trying to craft a roster that performed a little better in the clutch um, and just a clubhouse that overall, you know, a team that that operated and function functions a little better, you know, as this very complex organism that has to work together throughout a very long season, but also a very intense uh, and urgent postseason. Uh, we we saw that work and we saw that happen in 2021 as Braves fans, and we're just hoping that that can be recreated once again uh, now for 2024. A little bit of Braves news before we get into what is going to be the meat of this episode, which will be uh, regarding moves that the Braves can make uh, to their roster in terms of position players. Uh, so three Braves were um, selected as finals for the Gold Glove. Um, those of you who might be a little newer to baseball, the Gold Glove Award is for the best 
defensive position player at each position. Uh, recently, uh, baseball added a utility um, position along with the normal nine positions on the field. So, so each uh, each league gives ten uh, ten of these Gold Gloves now per year. So, the Braves' three finalists were actually two were fairly surprising to me. Uh, Austin Riley at third base was surprising. Uh, Riley has, I feel like, performed better and better defensively at third base, but it seems like he never grades out very well, um, either through fan graphs or, or you know, whatever um, the the system is. They don't seem to like Riley's defense, um, but I think his peers do uh, do value Riley's defense a good bit. So maybe that's what is showing up here. But he got um, a finalist. So, again, there's three finalists at each position. So, Austin Riley is one of the finalists at third base. Michael Harris uh, is a finalist in center field. This is not a surprise. I think he absolutely deserves it. Uh, Braves fans know how great he has been defensively in center field. And then Eddie Rosario was the other surprise. Rosario has been one. You know, he's a pretty athletic guy, and he can make really spectacular catches at times, but he's also really inconsistent and can make bad reads sometimes as well. I think Eddie did grade out better this year defensively than he has in the past several years. Um, and left field tends to be where you put your your worst uh, defensive outfielder. So I think he was primarily going against outfielders that just aren't all that good to begin with. But, I mean, look, it's pretty cool that he is a finalist. I very much doubt he's going to win the award. Uh, but you never know. Uh, you really don't. Um, and so those are the the three finalists for the Braves for Gold Glove Award this year. Um, and we'll see. Hopefully, I think I would love for Michael Harris, at least, to win this award. But who knows? Uh, the other thing that I just wanted to mention is that, you know, the first thing that's really going to come down the pike for the Braves uh, is five days after the World Series. This is when options decisions come down for the Braves, and I'm going to uh, mention the guys that the Braves are going to have to decide whether they're going to accept their option years uh, on their contracts or not. So um, stay tuned for that. We'll talk about that a little later in the episode. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and talk about what the Braves could do positionally to, uh, you know, these are tweaks to the team. Remember, the Braves were a historically great Offense, So it's not like they need to make wholesale changes because they got bounced in the playoffs. But I do think it's legitimate to say what can the Braves do to make some tweaks to get better and not just get better in the regular season, but perform better in the playoffs. And I think that has to be the the greater um, if you know, we, we have this core of great players. We're going to be good and it's incredibly likely the Braves will continue to to find themselves in the playoffs. But how can they improve this roster and clubhouse dynamic to consistently play better in uh, you know in the postseason? So I want to give you real real things, things that I would do. And I'm not saying the Braves will do this. I'm not I'm not trying to project necessarily what they will do. I'm trying to say this is what I would do. And um, you might you might disagree with some of these things. I am trying to be um, bold. I'm not trying to be outlandish, but I'm trying to be you know outside the box, maybe a little bit 
um, to what I would do to change some of the, the clubhouse dynamic. And this is, I'm trying to be very consistent with what I've talked about in the last two episodes of, um, you know, the team dynamic. So to be clear, I'm trying to change the dynamic of the clubhouse by reducing the goofy fun loving group uh, that exists while adding to the group that is intensely focused in the big moments. So remember last episode, I talked about great teammates and the dynamic of good teams, uh, great, great teammates being humble, hungry, and smart. And I think an emphasis on um, bringing in players that are particularly hungry and uh, smart. Remember, smart means kind of that emotional intelligence of a teammate who knows when they need to light a fire under you, knows when they need to be quiet, knows when they need to make a joke. Um, and maybe we are lacking a little bit of that. And I, I mentioned that I do think we have hungry players, players that work hard every day and, and are internally motivated. But we did see, I mean, it seemed like the Phillies had that on us in this series. And so maybe just bringing even a little bit more of that to the table. And I mentioned that there might be a few players on the Braves that aren't particularly humble, but I think as a overall um, you know, characteristic of the club, I do think the Braves are a humble group. Um, and that's really important. And I don't want to want the Braves to lose that as, um, as a club characteristic, but yeah, bringing in players that are hungry and smart. Now, some of these guys, I I'm going to mention a couple guys that I want that I think should go. And then I'm going to mention quite a few targets for the Braves. And because these guys are free agent targets and not on the Braves, I don't have as good of a feeling for whether they will bring this or not. All I can assume, you know, and all I would hope for is that Alex Anthopoulos would know all of this. And I do think he, he has a really good handle on every guy that he brings into the clubhouse and the character and all those things. So anyways, um, let me go ahead and begin here. So Orlando Arcia, and you might've seen this coming if you'd listen to my more recent episodes, but Orlando Arcia to me, um, was a little overhyped early on. I mean, he had a great beginning to the season for the Braves. He absolutely earned his spot as a starter on the all-star team. And let's be honest, it was a shock basically to everyone how well Arcia played at the beginning of the year. It was a shock that he won the job to begin with, right? Um, and it was a shock that he played so well in the first half of the year, especially offensively. He proved himself defensively as well. But as the season went on, his bat definitely quieted down. Um, defensively, he was, I would say, solid, but maybe not spectacular. He can, he can make some spectacular plays. He has a great arm uh, at shortstop. I think his range is a little, a little limited. Not terrible, but a little limited. Um, and ultimately, Arcia graded out as just kind of an average player. Um, and so I would personally, because Arcia is making such little money and he had a solid but not spectacular year ultimately, I would actually trade Orlando Arcia. Um, I think his value right now could not be higher. He actually has pretty solid trade value uh, because he's under contract for a few more years. And you have Nicky Lopez behind him. So what I've heard from several other outlets, you know, Nicky Lopez, 
um, is an arbitration eligible player. I've heard from several of, you know, he might actually be a non-tender candidate. So Lopez will probably make around $4 million in arbitration next year. It's actually more than Orlando Arcia will make, who is under contract. So the thought is, well, the Braves have Orlando Arcia under contract. Lopez, that's kind of a lot to pay for a backup. They might not want to, you know, not necessarily, but they might not want to carry both of those guys. They'll dump Lopez. And my thought is actually the reverse, that Nicky Lopez at $4 million as your starting shortstop is actually great value. Uh, so I, I wanted to go into the value of both these players just a little bit more because Nicky Lopez is, you know, he's a great defensive shortstop who doesn't bring a lot offensively. Um, I think he can be a little better offensively than he was for most of last year. But even even if he's not, right, I think he does profile primarily as a great defensive shortstop, which on a great, um, you know, offensive team is not something um, bad to have. All right, so in, anyways, in terms of these players and their, um, their overall value, and I'm going off of uh, war numbers, you know, wins above replacement numbers. And I know that, you know, war is not a perfect measure, but I, I do think it's just one way to look at these guys. And, and we could dive deeper into all the numbers, but Lopez is going to be harder to judge in his value because so much of it is defensive and defensive value is hard to capture. All right. And that's why you actually see the two primary systems for measuring wins above replacement as being so different. So Orlando Arcia from Fangraphs, so F-War numbers, Arcia was a 2.3 F-War last year, and Nicky Lopez was a 1.1. Um, and then Baseball Reference War, B-War, Arcia only graded as a 1.6 whereas Lopez graded as a 1.8. So this is really interesting to me because by baseball reference and their numbers, and clearly they are, um, their, their defensive values must be a little different, right? Um, but they're actually measuring Lopez already as having a more, um, as, as having a better season last year than Arcia in terms of overall value. Now, th this is also interesting because Arcia played 139 games and, of course, started um, all of those, basically, whereas Nicky Lopez played 93 games and didn't even start some of those games, right? So some of those are just uh, random, uh, you know, he's, he's pinch running or that sort of thing. So, so Lopez is bringing you defensive value pretty much every game he plays. Um, Arcia is you know, he has value, but even at, you know, the F war number, that's the highest number, uh, is at 2.3. And, you know, that is basically just a normal average starter. It's not an all-star and he made the all-star team, but, but it's not an all-star. Um, and then the, the baseball reference war number is a 1.6. So that's less than a starter. And I just wonder how internally the Braves view Arcia ultimately, and his value. Now, he's valuable and he has trade value because he's making such little money. Um, he's basically making backup money and he is performing better than a backup, but he might be performing just barely at or just under uh, a starter. 
So again, you have Nicky Lopez at $4 million, and what does he bring you? He brings you tremendous defense. And these, uh, these war numbers for Lopez are only in 93 games, right? So what I'm saying is if you give Nicky Lopez the starting job, um, is he pretty much what Arcia was last year in terms of overall value? I mean, he's a very different player. He's not giving you much power at all, right? Um, he's basically a singles and doubles hitter. Um, he's, he gives you a little more speed than Arcia on the base paths, um, but he definitely gives you probably gold glove caliber defense at shortstop, which is very valuable. So that being said, right, I think Arcia, um, it's not that I hate Arcia, that I'm just trying to get rid of him, that I think that he's some kind of, you know, cancer in the clubhouse. I don't think any of that. Um, but I do think there is a, a potential here to sell high on Arcia. And I do think he is in this group of guys that, I don't think added a lot to the clubhouse in the postseason, And that's really where I'm trying to be more specific, right? So the point here is there are different ways to view these players, right? These two shortstops and their value. And man, I really just wonder how the Braves view these two guys. Alex Anthopoulos has come out and he's said on a couple different occasions that Arcia is their guy. Um, and that just simply might be true. I might be uh, off the reservation here in how I'm viewing these two players. Um, but I do think trading Arcia makes some sense. Now, it certainly runs opposite of what most people are saying, and I've, I've kind of already mentioned that. But, you know, again, I view Arcia as a fun-loving guy, a popular teammate. The guys seem to really like him. Uh, but does he help enough on the field and in the clubhouse? Uh, Nicky Lopez is also known as being a great teammate and a great clubhouse guy. So, you know, he's certainly bringing that to the table as well. I really don't think the Braves are going to non-tender Nicky Lopez. I just don't think that makes much sense. He's a great backup, even if he just serves as a backup. He's a great backup defensive infielder all around the diamond. But because of that cheap contract, Arcia is just very valuable to teams who need a shortstop. And, you know, another thing we're going to talk about in the next episode is the Braves' need for a starter. And Arcia, with his value, could bring um, a starter and a really good one. So it's just something I have in the back of my mind. But that's, I mean, that's what I would do. Um, all right, so the next guy I'm going to talk about is Marcelo Zuna. Now, I'm on the fence, honestly about Marcelo Zuna. You guys know for most of last year, especially before Marcel took off offensively, I was banging the drum for Marcelo Zuna to be um, either released or traded by the Braves. Um, and this goes back actually two years, right? Because Ozuna had not been good for about two seasons. He'd had all of his off-field issues. And, you know, then May of this past season, he turned it all around offensively and he was one of the best offensive players in baseball so he has reclaimed a lot of his value um and again i don't view marcel as you know some cancer in the clubhouse it is simply i kind of think he's in this group of players you know that did not perform uh, on the field in the postseason and that i'm not sure how much they are adding to the clubhouse now i'm, I'm less I'm less certain of this, quite honestly, um, because Ozuna does seem to 
have some value to the clubhouse. Uh, he was credited, you might remember this, he was credited with helping Michael Harris when he was in his big slump. Uh, Matt Olson also has mentioned that Marcelo Zuna is really good in the clubhouse and helping with, you know, some some hitting. I've also heard that he is a really hard worker in terms of being always being, you know, in the batting cage and and prepping for um, for games and that sort of thing. So I'm not saying that he just needs to go, um, but I also think if the Braves are looking at other DH options, I think this is a potential of you're, all you're doing if you're getting rid of Ozuna and Arcia is you're shifting the clubhouse culture just a little bit, right? And and maybe you bring in guys to replace them that have a little bit more of an edge and a little bit more of of what the Braves need in the postseason. All right, so those two guys particularly, I think, are guys that that I would look um, to to trade. And and part of that too, again, is because they both do have value now. You still might not be able to get much for Ozuna, but I think for a team that is desperate for offense, you'd you'd get something for Ozuna as well. And that actually could also free up some money to do some other things. So speaking of money, some possible money that could come off the books this offseason that I just wanted to mention so that we all keep it in mind. Okay, Charlie Morton, he has a $20 million option. Again, remember, uh, five days after the World Series ends, the Braves will have to make a decision on each of these players. So Charlie Morton, $20 million option. I think the Braves certainly would want to exercise that option unless Morton just wants to walk away and retire. And there's been some talk about that. But... You also wonder, I mean, Morton, the way this season ended with the finger injury, does he really want to end his career like that? Uh, he's got $20 million basically staring him in the face to to be able to come back to. Um, and even if the Braves aren't comfortable with 20, maybe they would renegotiate something back down to 15 or something like that. But I, I expect Morton to be back. The Braves certainly need him with Kyle Wright going down for the 2024 season with his shoulder injury. But ultimately, Morton could just decide to walk away. And he's been known to be a guy who, you know, he values family a lot. And it wouldn't be totally shocking if he did walk away. But, you know, that's $20 million. If he does walk away, okay, you got $20 million to use somewhere else. But hopefully he is back. I would like to see him back. Uh, and, of course, we know that he is also really highly, highly regarded in the clubhouse. I do think it would be a clubhouse hit if Morton didn't come back. Uh, Eddie Rosario uh, has a $9 million option. This is a really interesting one. So this is a, all of these, or almost all of these are team options. The team totally gets to make this decision. Uh, this is an interesting one. You know, Eddie had such an up and down season. He basically had two months that were tremendous. I think June and August. And then a couple months he was average and a couple months where he was terrible. Uh, one of the worst hitters on the planet. So, you know, he's, he's always been that way. He's always been a streaky up and down hitter. We know that the 2021 postseason was magical and the Braves would not have won the world series without him. Uh, so you, you just have that in the back of your mind that he can step up in big moments. Uh, but he can also kind of disappear for large portions of time. So I, I really wonder how much the Braves are going to value him and what their plans would be to bring him back. I, I wonder for $9 million if they would still bring him back, even if they were kind of uncertain what his role would look like. Uh, that seems to be pretty steep 
for a part-time player, but we'll have to see on that one. Uh, Brad Hand, uh, the lefty that they got from Colorado, has a $7 million um, option, and um, this is actually a mutual option. The Braves don't typically sign mutual options where the, the player and the club both have to agree. Um, but that being said, I, I highly doubt the Braves would accept a $7 million option. So he's probably going to be a free agent. Colin McHugh has a $6 million option with a $1 million buyout. Um, you know, he had a down year, so I would kind of expect the Braves to not bring him back. And then Kirby Yates has a $5.75 million option. And same thing, $1 million um, buyout. And I would be a little surprised the Braves brought him back. Though he had some some good moments too. So he that might be a little bit more on the fence. And I think he's liked in the clubhouse too. So, uh, you know, all of these guys combined, you're, you're talking at about $45 million that could come off the book if they were to all to leave. Of course, um, at least Charlie Morton, I hope, really does come back. Uh, so that would be about half of that, right? Um, and and he would be, I think, the biggest blow if uh, to the team if he retired. All right, so just kind of have that in the back of your mind, right? The Braves might have um, a little bit more money to to work with if all of those guys were to leave. But you know, really, this episode is not so much about the finances for the Braves. What I'd like to do now is at least start to identify some players that I think the Braves could bring in that would bring more to the clubhouse um, and, you know, hopefully a good bit on the field as well, which is important. Let's not ignore that. But again, bringing some dudes in who really could benefit the clubhouse and bring a little more success specifically in the postseason. So that's the idea, right? Find players who embody what a great teammate is and have that winning mindset. They don't have to be starters necessarily, but it is best in these situations that they are at least key contributors. Um, and again, what the Braves do with left field is definitely going to impact things. Uh, do they need to go out and get a full-time left fielder? Uh, do they bring back Rosario? I'm, I'm fine with him coming back, even if it's in a lesser role. But, you know, this is definitely a question that um, the Braves, you know, it's going to be one of the bigger question marks um, for the offseason. Um, you know, I, I haven't, mentioned much about Vaughn Grissom, but what, what are the Braves going to do with him? Is is he going to be used in a trade for a starter? A lot of people are saying that. Uh, might he come back um, and maybe he could fill the left field hole? It sounds, every time you hear Alex Anthopoulos talk about Grissom, he keeps saying that the Braves view him more as an infielder, not an outfielder. So uh, it, it certainly seems more likely that Grissom is going to go in a trade, but we still really don't know that either. I do know that the Braves like Von Grissom in the clubhouse as well. So um, that remains to be seen. Uh, like it or not, you know, I, some of you might really disagree with me on Arcia, but like it or not, shortstop is an area that could be improved. You know, as you look around the diamond, there's just not that many spots, right? It is uh, it's left field and it's shortstop of places that are, you know, weaknesses or or just aren't quite as strong as the other positions. Um, I, I think RC is fine, right? I'm not going to be upset if he comes back. Um, but I really, it still just haunts me in my mind to think about how he kind of shrank away from Bryce Harper staring him down in the playoffs. Um, and you know, I, anyways, that 
I don't know if you guys are are with me on that or not, but it definitely, um, I definitely have already been thinking back to that. All right, so let me give you guys a list of free agents first. I'll start with some free agents, and then I'll go to a few guys that I think might be trade targets possibly. That's a little tougher to come up with right now, but um, let's start with free agents. Now, the first one, I just want to get this out of the way. You guys know where I'm going with this. Shohei Otani, okay? The DH who um, is having, uh, I guess, has already had his uh, his elbow surgery, so he's not going to be pitching for at least a year, but he is a dominant left-handed power hitter. We all know this, and potentially a dominant pitcher once again. I don't know. It's kind of unknown as to the value of him as a pitcher. And so this Otani is a total unknown. I mean, I am just really interested to see what happens with him. You know, this historic baseball player going into this offseason as a free agent, but how are teams going to value him? Are they going to view him primarily as a DH or are they going to still value him as a DH and pitcher? What kind of money is going to be tossed around? You know, us Braves fans know that the Braves are not going to play in the deepest waters in the free agent market. They're just not. So if you have teams throwing around $50 million a year for Otani, the Braves are going to be nowhere near that. They're just, they're just not. But I do wonder, um, I wonder about Otani himself, what he's looking for. Is he looking for the biggest contract? Is he looking for the best situation? Um, and what kind of deals is he looking for? Would he go for a short-term deal, you know, and let his arm heal and then go back on the market in a few years? If that were to happen, maybe the Braves could be in play. Um, I am not saying that this is likely at all. I think it is probably a, a 1% chance that the Braves even get into the mix, but let's talk about it. Let's at least think about it because it would be awesome. I'm a big Shohei Otani fan. I think he's a great clubhouse guy. I think he's a solid dude um, and would add a lot to the swagger of this team, but you know, uh, probably, probably not. And let's, let's move on to, to some other, maybe more likely dudes. Uh, okay. Jock Peterson. We, you, you knew I was going to go here too, right? Outfielder Jock Peterson. Peterson's going to be 32 years old to start next season. Uh, we know the effect that Jock had on the clubhouse in 2021. You can assume he'd have much of the same impact on the 2024 team. Um, I just imagine he'd fit like a glove. Now, what is his, you know, his impact going to be on the field. Um, he didn't have the greatest season this past year. He had a pretty good year in his first year in San Francisco. Um, that being said, I think he still brings you what he brought you in 2021, right? Uh, a power bat, not the greatest uh, defensive player. Um, but if they wanted to bring him back, especially for clubhouse impact, I think Jock Peterson um, is, he's going to be a free agent. And I think he's certainly, would be interested in coming back to Atlanta if the Braves were interested in him. All right, the other one is another former Brave, Jorge Soler, outfielder in DH. Jorge will also be 32 years old and, of course, World Series MVP. And, you know, as my dad said, the guy wins you a World Series, right? He's your World Series MVP and you don't bring him back. Why not? And, you know, there were some reasons, certainly. And in the fact that you were paying – um you know, you're, you were paying Ozuna so much to be your DH. Um, 
on paper, you, you understand it. But again, here he is, right? And he performs in the big moments. You know that about him. He can impact the game so much with his power. And I think it would be excellent. And and this is one of those things where if you did move on from Ozuna, maybe you do bring back Solaire. Um, I would be interested in doing that, certainly. But I don't know what the Braves are thinking on that one. Uh, Brandon Crawford. So Brandon Crawford is a super interesting one, right? Shortstop. He's thir- he'll be 37. So he's an older guy. He had a terrible year. Let's be honest. He had a terrible year in um, in San Francisco this past year, but he's had a great career. He's deeply respected around the league. The, the question is just what does he have left? I mean, this could be something where the Braves bring him in on a really cheap deal you know, maybe as a backup or what, and and he's kind of one of your primary backups and he sees some, some pinch hit duties. And, and if someone were to go down, he could fill in. Um, and I certainly think he would bring a lot to the clubhouse. So I'm thinking more clubhouse related for Brandon Crawford, but a guy with three world series rings. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to me that he's, he's out there. I don't know, maybe he he will retire, but I kind of doubt he wants to end his career on such a down note. Uh, kind of in the same ballpark here, Joey Votto. Okay, so first baseman in DH. So again, this would be one where, especially if you were to trade Ozuna, maybe you look at Joey Votto. He's very well liked and respected around the league, um, generally speaking, by his teammates um, and baseball guys. Uh, very active on social media. Not that that's particularly important, but, uh, but very well liked guy. Um, and again, the same question as we have with Brandon Crawford, does he have enough, you know, for one more big season, you know, he's 40 years old and maybe the bat has slowed down to the point where he's just not going to give you any more offensive value. But I do wonder what his impact would be on a winning clubhouse that he's never really been a part of much winning in Cincinnati. So, um, there's some unknown there, but I think it would be interesting to see him uh, with the Braves. The next guy that I'm going to mention might not be popular to some of you because he's a former Met, but um, Mark Canna, uh, outfielder, he's he's going to be 35 next season, so he's getting on the older side as well. But Mark Canna is known to be a really good teammate. Um, th- this is a guy who often will have guys over to his house, and you know he, he's one of those glue guys. Um, and I remember Mark Canna last year when he was traded, uh, you know, he didn't badmouth the Mets, even though you knew he was leaving kind of a bad situation. Uh, he didn't badmouth the Mets. Scherzer did. You might remember some of that happened when they were both traded at the deadline. So I think he's a really solid guy. Um, again, I don't know that he's bringing you the edge that some of these other guys are. Um, he doesn't have the same, um, postseason experience and, and success, but I, I think he's a reasonable uh, target. The The other part with Canna is he, I don't know that he's given enough on the field recently where you'd be really excited about him. Maybe this is a guy you could pair with Eddie Rosario if Rosario comes back, uh, but just another thought there. All right, my next target would be Lurdris Gurriel. Of course, you know that Gurriel right now is going to be playing in the World Series for the Diamondbacks outfielder he's he'll be 30 uh so still relatively young you know kind of in the prime of his career he's probably having a career year with the diamondbacks he was an all-star this year seems like 
kind of an energy guy, glue guy. He's really well liked with the Diamondbacks. Um, and, you know, I, to me, he's almost like a, a little better version of Rosario. Um, and he's a right-hander, so a righty version of Rosario and just a little more of an energy guy in the clubhouse. So I like this idea of Guriel maybe coming in, but again, as a free agent, he's going to be a little more expensive, and I just don't know that the Braves would go for that. Uh, Michael Brantley, outfielder, he'll be 36. Brantley, of course, has been with the Astros for the last several years, always been a really, really good hitter. He's also kind of near the end of his career, and he's had in injury issues pretty consistently over the last two years. But he is such a solid guy, respected dude in the clubhouse, great bat. Uh, so I think he could also be one, you know, just kind of a proven winner. I've always liked Brantley and kind of have hoped for the last several years that the Braves might target him, and then he went back to the Astros. So um, who knows? Maybe the Braves could bring him in as well. So, I, you know... The, the good news with this free agent class is, to me, there are a lot of good guys, like clubhouse guys, good additions that the Braves could make that could really, um, you know, adjust their, their clubhouse. And, and remember, right now, we're just focusing on position guys. So in my next episode, by the way, guys, I am going to look at the pitching side of things. And, and the same is true on the pitching side as well. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about some possible trades. And I'm just kind of throwing things against the wall at this point to see if they'll stick. Um, at this point, I mean, the fact is you really aren't going off of much in terms of we don't know what teams are going to be active in the trade market, what teams are looking to trade dudes, and uh, which teams are standing pat. So I'm just throwing out a few names of guys that I generally like. But I will admit, too, I don't have as good of a feel uh, regarding these guys in terms of their clubhouse impact. I, I just don't. So, anyways, let me give them to you. So, my number one guy is Randy Arozarena. This would be pretty shocking. Of course, he's the star outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, this this guy is definitely the would would be the toughest guy to go get in a trade. You'd have to give up a lot to get him. Um, the, the question I have, you never know what Tampa Bay will do as guys are approaching free agency. He'll have, I think, two more years of control. Um, and so it could be a time where Tampa would look to try to get something back. Uh, he has been a star for them over the last several seasons. And he's, you know, he's been a tremendous uh, postseason performer. And that is very much on my mind. Uh, but the Braves would have to give up a good bit to get him. So I, I don't know if it's possible, but I just think, you know, Tampa Bay does things outside the box and in their own timing a little bit more, and maybe they would offer a Rosarena. Uh, my number two guy is Brendan Donovan. Uh, this guy is a, a young up-and-coming player for the Cardinals. The Cardinals are desperate for pitching, so I don't know that they would really be interested at all of giving up Donovan. It might be a little much. Uh, might be wishful thinking on my part, but if the Braves were able to offer enough for him, um, you know, maybe a Bryce Elder or something like that, um, maybe it would take more than than that. But um, you know, maybe maybe the Cardinals would jump at it. Uh, the Cardinals have other uh, young outfielders and other young position players that they would probably prefer to trade, not uh, name Brendan Donovan, but he would be the bigger get uh, for the Braves. Uh, number three would be Willie Adamas. Uh, 
Uh, he's coming down an off year offensively for Milwaukee, but this is a very good player who's had real power. He hit like 217 this past year with 24 homers, but he's only one year removed from hitting 290 with 34 homers. You know, he had a great 2022, and he's a very good defensive shortstop. So this is one where if you were to move on from Arcia, maybe Adamas becomes um, a target. A lot of people are talking about Milwaukee maybe doing some trading over this offseason, um, you know, as they have these guys who are coming close to free agency. They don't typically resign re guys like that, so they might look to get something out of Willie Adamas. Uh, my next guy is Lane Thomas. So you guys probably are aware of this guy, outfielder for the Nationals. Braves have seen a lot of him over the last few years. Um, he has two arbitration years left for the Nationals, so he's, he's uh, you know, not making crazy money. He's 28 years old, um, and he's coming off of a career year. So the Nationals, maybe they would want to trade him to get the most out of him, but I also could see the Nationals extending him. I think they really like what he's brought to what has otherwise been a rebuilding club. He's really been their best position player uh, as a corner outfielder, but I really like Lane Thomas. Actually, he, he might be the one that fits the best for me because he's not crazy expensive, but I think he would add a lot uh, defensively and, and offensively too to a Braves team. All right, my, my next guy is Dylan Carlson. So he's also, also with the Cardinals. I'm not going to say too much about him. He's actually just probably a cheaper option compared to a Brendan Donovan outfielder, um, you know, and, and has some value and, and could bring you some things. But again, I have no idea what Carlson brings to the clubhouse. Um, Alex Verdugo is my last guy that's kind of on my radar. Uh, he has, uh, you might remember, he went over in the Mookie Betts deal. He was kind of a high uh, thought of uh, prospect. Hasn't really played out that way. He's just kind of a solid player, um, you know, solid defender, can do a few things offensively, but it's kind of a league average offensive player. So, um, you know, he doesn't really inspire a lot of excitement, but I could kind of see him being another guy that if he is considered a, a solid clubhouse dude, that uh, that could be another option for the Braves. All right, guys. So, you know, I've given you a lot of names. I've given you some thoughts. Uh, and particularly, I've, I've tried to be, um, you know, as honest as possible as the Braves, I think they could move on from um, and and change that clubhouse culture just a little bit. You know, the fact is, there are a lot of options for the Braves this offseason if they want to add a different element to their clubhouse. Um, and there are also some real pitching targets out there that I'm going to explore in the next episode. So, guys, I hope you will uh, just stick with me. I know we would prefer the Braves to be uh, getting ready to play the World Series, uh, but that's not going to happen. I am going to watch the games. I, I, I mentioned it to you already. I'm just happy. I, I don't have to sit there and root against the Phillies all, all series. I can just watch it and enjoy baseball and uh, just see who wins and, um, you know, hope that the Braves will be there next season. And, of course, this offseason has a lot to do with that. And uh, hopefully Alex Anthopoulos is continuing to have those meetings and discussions and has a really good, uh, really good idea of what the game plan will be moving forward. Uh, maybe – he would totally disagree with what I just put out here. But these are my opinions on some of the things the Braves should do. I hope you enjoyed listening, guys, and I will talk to you soon.